You're listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. This is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. Back to throw Tua, looking. Flips it down the wide open! <laughs> Touchdown, Tyreek Hill! Unbelievable! Just flew by him for a second time. Tua knew where he was going right away. How the hit is that, though, man? I really hope you soon jump on his bandwagon. Waddle, waddle. To a shotgun, back to throw, looking, steps up, fires, touchdown. Okay. Okay. It's Waddle. His sixth touchdown Six pass touchdown of the day. Drive time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, potentially the last regular, or rather, in-season podcast here in 2022-2023, we'll go ahead and take a look at the perspective from Buffalo with Joe Marino of the Draft Network and Locked On Bills. We'll go ahead and hear from the assistant coaching staff and their Thursday media availabilities, and we'll finish up with your mailbag questions via Twitter, all of that and a heck of a lot more from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Draft. That's another Miami Dolphins go ahead and get to my guest today for the last time this season number three on the year from locked on bills joe marino and joining me now is one of my favorite recurring guests we have on the drive time podcast he covers the enemy for locked on bills on the locked on sports network in addition to being one of the best draft scouts in the entire business the co-founder of the draft network joe marino joe welcome back in man Hey, Travis. Thanks for having me on. Hey, I look, I maybe cover the enemy, but we're all friends, right? I got some great friends here uh, in the world of Miami Dolphins. So it's good to be on with you and uh, talk about this football game. I saw somebody tweeted uh, on Thursday morning before taping this podcast at Kyle and said, like, how do you even talk to Joe during this week? I have a Jets fan friend that I can't talk to for a week before the game. And I'm like, Joe's good people, man. Plus, he teaches us some information on the opponent. So, yeah, I'm in that same realm with you, man, where like, uh, Sunday, maybe not the most uh, closest of friends, but I always enjoy these <laughs> podcasts. And this would have been your third appearance on the show this season. But the last time the Dolphins and Bills met, I was actually in the hospital uh, for the birth of my son. So um, and I, yeah, I have to a- ask this every time we do a show together. What's the latest update on girl dad life for y'all up there? Oh, man, it's phenomenal. She turns three next week. And man, she has so much personality <laughs> and she's so energetic and She's so smart. I mean, my favorite thing in the world is being her dad. So uh, dad life is great. She's great. And I hope the same is true for you. Couldn't have said it better myself. And the personality part's the best, man. Like Christmas music, she was all about that. She sings Jingle Bells still. Every time we get in the car, (laughs) Daddy, I want Jingle Bells. Hey, you get whatever you want when it comes to Daddy. So she knows she has me wrapped around her finger and she takes advantage of it. But um, it's it's the best, man. Glad to hear it. And uh, I always love tracking that because our daughters are so close in age. It's, It's cool to reflect on that stuff with you. Um, but yeah, let's, let's go ahead and start with this, this crossover podcast here. And we always start these with questions about the quarterback position. And, you know, we're all well-versed on Josh Allen's skill set. We've seen him a million times, and he's played very well pretty much all those times. But I continue to marvel at his splits this year against the Blitz and how it's completely flipped in terms of his success against the Blitz, against the other 15 teams, and then against the Dolphins in those two games. I'm just curious on the whole what have you noticed about Josh Allen when teams play coverage this year versus bringing extra rushers on the blitz? You know, what's interesting about Josh Allen is for as good of a player as he is, I think that's an area of his game that 
has been an issue really over the last two seasons is just the production against the blitz. And obviously that's a dangerous world to live in at times for a defense, knowing what Josh is capable of both as a runner and a thrower. And certainly going back to 2020, he was one of the best in the league in terms of facing the blitz. But over the last two years, I feel like it's been more of an issue offensively where the bills kind of get stuck on when to protect, right? When to keep some extra bodies in to protect and when to throw hot, right? And make those side adjustments and really try to replace the the blitz with the ball and, and make the defense pay for sending and committing some extra rushers. And so I feel like over the last two years, it's been a little bit unsettled for this Bills offense. And Josh has gotten stuck at times uh, because I'm not sure those answers have been, have been built in uh, as consistently as they need to. And uh, the Dolphins, certainly a team that uh, number two blitz rate in the AFC. We we know that about Josh Boyer. He's going to send uh, send pressure. And so I think that's going to be a big uh, challenge for the Bills this week, especially given the familiarity between the two teams and in, in that uh, for as much as the Bills may be familiar with Josh Boyer and how he likes to blitz, you know, Josh Boyer is well familiar with the protection schemes of the Buffalo Bills. And so I think that's a really good um, opening topic in something that um, I'm curious about this week and seeing how those how that storyline plays out, especially when you're talking about a Dolphins front that features so many good pass rushers. Jalen Phillips obviously having a breakout season, and he he uh, gave Spencer Brown a right tackle all he can handle in that last matchup. And, of course, on the inside, Siler and, and Christian Wilkins are animals, and Melvin Ingram seems to play well every time uh, the Bills play against him, whatever team he's playing for, <laughs> and, of course, Bradley Chubb. So there's a there's a lot that this front can give you both from a blitz perspective and then just those guys winning one-on-one. So obviously a big storyline entering this game. It felt like that last game was like watching, you know, NBA players playing pickup ball in terms of like, oh man, what a great move that was by Jalen Phillips. Oh, there goes Josh Allen making an even better play and then just back and forth all game long. So much fun to watch. And uh, speaking of fun, you know, getting on social media can be fun or it can be the opposite of that. And I saw a debate the other day, Joe, on Bill's Twitter about the production of the number two receiver, which has been Gabe Davis, right? For the Bills. That's right, yeah. So, and there was some consternation about, you know, his value. And one of the common disagreements I saw was people saying, look at what Waddle's doing in Miami. And I'm thinking, like, <laughs> that's not really fair because both Tyreek and Jalen are, are, you know, ones on like 90% of the teams across the NFL. So my question is, explain to our fan base the traits that makes this Bills skill group so dangerous because it's more than just Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. Yeah, I think the Bills, obviously, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, that's your bread and butter, but it's about a whole lot more than just that. And you look at Gabe Davis as a number two receiver. Maybe he didn't have the production coming out of that Kansas City playoff game where he had 200 yards and four (laughs) touchdowns, and everybody thought he was going to have this monster season. He had an okay season, 800 yards, seven touchdowns. That's good wide receiver two production, but you know maybe you wonder about uh, his skill set and if it's a complete enough player to be a do everything guy opposite of Stefan Diggs. He certainly provides value with his size and his ball skills down the field, but obviously not a guy that's going to uncover quickly or win after the catch. And there's been some inconsistency with his hands this year, but you know, Dawson Knox has also over the last two years at tight end really become uh, a, an important part of this, this offense and what he means for not only their ability to attack the middle of the field, but his yards after catch skill set is something they like to tap into quite a bit. Uh, getting him, you know, into the flats and asking him to create. He's obviously big and athletic. And then, you know, you look at the rest of this receiver core, and 
it's it's some old faces that are back. Cole Beasley, John Brown, they're starting to get mixed into the equation to go with Isaiah McKenzie, who may not be available this week uh, with a hamstring injury. And so they'll rely on some of those old new faces, if you will, and <laughs> Rookie in Khalil Shakir, that looks like he has a bright future as an up-and-coming inside-outside player. But uh, the market share hasn't really been there. But also, the Bills have gotten the running backs going a little bit in the passing game with James Cook and his emergence here later in the season. Certainly feels like the game's slowing down for him a bit, and uh, he's becoming more comfortable in his role. And, of course, Devin Singletary, who has been really consistent over the last four years in terms of his ability to catch the football and run it. So there's a lot of weapons that the Bills have, and uh, it's interesting on a weekly basis kind of who the priorities are for who they're going to throw the football to because they do have a lot of options. And certainly when you look at this game against Miami, um, I feel like the Bills are going to want to make it a space game as much as possible offensively and really put you know some empty packages on the field and space that Dolphins defense out and really kind of put them in some conflict with if they're going to send pressure and kind of having to deal with the space behind it. And we obviously know about the injuries in the back seven yeah. for Miami all season long. So that could be a, an interesting storyline here that the Bills could – try to take advantage of this weekend. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I mean, the the depth at that position has been tested because of the injuries, and you can you know certainly play into that by, like you mentioned, going empty and spreading things out. So I'll be curious to see how that looks. And, uh, you know, talk about pressure and, and blitzing and all that stuff that falls ultimately on the quarterback and offensive line. And I wanted to ask you about the, the Bills' offensive line play this year because I mentioned on my preview podcast that Miami – has to find a way to not just get pressure on Allen, but hem him into the pocket because he makes so many dang plays when he escapes outside of the pocket. How do you think teams have accomplished that this year? What have they done to keep him inside the pocket and, and try to force him to win from that position? Well, I think it's been a struggle for a lot of teams, to be <laughs> honest with you. I mean, Josh tends to, even if you have your best intentions of kind of cage rushing and containing him, Josh makes that one guy miss, and all of a sudden your best intentions are all for not, right? And Josh is rolling to his right and making plays with his legs and his arm. And so I, I think what you have to do as a front is you just have to be extremely disciplined, not just with your rush and to be able to stay in your lane, but when you're in that position to tackle Josh Allen, you have to be under control and you have to be mindful of, you know, he's a big dude with a stiff arm, right, and just will really – dare anybody to come after him right I think we've all seen that over his career and um, you know I think it's just a lot of discipline that you're going to be required to play with not just from a, a stay in your lane which limits your creativity as a pass rusher but hey when you have that chance you have to be balanced and under control to have a, an opportunity to get down a really good quarterback it's yeah all I remember the first year I covered a game here from the like from the press box I asked Bobby McCain about a sack he had on Josh <laughs> Allen about bringing him down it's like man our slot corner little Bobby McCain at five foot ten bring him to the ground that was one of the most amazing things I ever saw on a football field but he seems to shake off you know right. 260 pounds like it's no big deal so definitely uh, Holland Holland got him last yeah. game too in space that was a really good tackle that I was like wow I can't believe he got him down so there's it happens, but you better you better have your angle. You better be balanced. You better get him low. That was a hell of a play from Javon, kind yes. of playing that like you know he almost like buzzed the crosser, then turned into a spy and then closed down on him. And I thought there was I thought we had no chance once he broke the pocket there because we've seen him happen so many times. Yeah. But uh, you know the snowman's probably the best bet to get him to the ground in space like that. And he did it that time. Now speaking of defense on the other side of the ball for Buffalo, you know we saw them without Von Miller. Uh, that first game was a bit of an anomaly from the Dolphins' standpoint, from a volume standpoint, because it's hard to rack up numbers uh, when you only run 
37 plays in a game, but the December game was highly efficient, explosive plays, long touchdowns to Tyreek and Waddle. Uh, what have the Bills done since that game, since week 15, to disrupt the timing of opposing offenses with their pass rush, a blitzing, playing, you know, four-man rush? How have they done it and how effective has it been? Well, I think that's something that I, I have a question about with this Bills team entering the postseason um, where I think if you go back to the last two years where their season was ended by Kansas City, you remember not being good enough when it comes to rushing the passer and really getting the quarterback down. And you went out and you signed Von Miller to be your closer. And for the time that he was healthy this year, that's exactly what he was. Key clutch sacks when you had to have him. Well, and he's not available this uh, for this Bills team on you know the rest of the season. And so they've had to kind of adapt to it and, and really just lean into the talent that they have, right? They don't have Von Miller, but they still have several first-round picks on the edge in you know, Greg Rousseau and, and Shaq Lawson and a couple of recent second-round picks and uh, A.J. Epinesa and Carlos Basham that, you know, all of the above, right? It's not just uh, any one guy that can come in and replace what Von Miller gave you. You hope it's an all-of-the-above approach, especially with your interior guys as well, like an Ed Oliver and a Daquan Jones and a Jordan Phillips and a Tim Settle. So I think you you just try to find strength in, in being eight deep, that you feel like all these guys have a chance to rush the passer. And um, hopefully on any given play, you have one or two guys that are able to deliver. And, you know, the Bills have been more willing, I think, to blitz Matt Milano. I think we've seen that quite a bit here down the stretch. Uh, mug him mug him up in the A-gaps and send him. That's happened a little bit more uh, recently than than I can remember. So I think that's kind of the, the, the plan here for Buffalo to get after the quarterback. And there's been times here late in the season where I felt like, the pass rush didn't show up with consistency, especially against the uh, the Patriots uh, in their most recent game. And obviously the Patriots kind of tapped into some play action in ways that we hadn't seen them uh, this season. And that got the Bills a few times. And, you know, we know the, the Dolphins are really good at kind of having that run action tag to their their passing plays. So that'll certainly be a benefit to them and kind of slowing up the uh, – the Bills pass rush, but it's definitely an all-of-the-above approach. Yeah, you mentioned the Patriots, a divisional opponent, you know, a team you know so well. For the Patriots to kind of be able to adapt in a game like that speaks to their knowledge, I think, of the Bills, and maybe Miami has some of that as well. And you go back to, you know, talking about the running game and 188 yards on the ground for Miami last time around, 32 snaps with two-back personnel against that, you know, permanent nickel package they run where it's like 95% of the time. I'm just curious, what does allow Buffalo to remain in that nickel defense and yet still rank fourth in the NFL against the rush this year? Uh, it's, it's Tremaine Evans and Matt Milano yeah. <laughs> and, and really Taron Johnson, right? It's those guys as a, on a base nickel defense. I mean, they have so much responsibility, not just for their run fits, but also with the real estate that they're responsible for responsible for in pass coverage, right? Those guys are smart, instinctive players with range. And I think that allows the bills to live in this world where they're, pretty much always in nickel they don't go three linebackers for anybody. And um, that's just who they've been. And, and it's been really effective. And I think it really, it's really those three guys and how they can fit the run and, and play in space and coverage. But, you know, a big task of them is uh, in this style of defense, that is a penetration style up the field defense up front is they have to make those defensive linemen, right. Right. Cause they're attacking, they're playing downhill and it's just a lot on their plates and they continue to answer the call. And, um, you know, th those are those are core players of this defense. And I think that's the, the reason why they're able to live in that nickel defense. And sometimes, you know, they it, there's a play here and there where they can give up a, a big run. I, you've seen that. Obviously, the big 
what a Mostert had a 60 yarder or something against the Bills. That's that's going to happen from time to time when you live in that world. But, you know, for the most part, they tighten the screws and, and really handle a lot on their plate. It's a fun matchup, man. Rob Hunt had a big game last time, Connor Williams as well, uh, creating some of those lanes inside. I'm curious to see how it happens this time because I think the Dolphins, to win the game, will have to run the ball successfully. But, you know, as far as putting the ball up in the air on the back end, you know, I think going into this season, maybe you can agree or disagree that cornerback was probably the one area that Bills fans maybe had the most questions about in terms of who's getting the bulk of the snaps with the entire regular season now in the rearview mirror. How would you assess that position and their prospects in this game for slowing down Tyreek, Jalen, and the Dolphins receivers? Well, okay, those are two very different questions, Travis, (laughs) because nobody's slowing down Waddle and Hill, right? So that's, that's, you know, I remember for years I get asked the question, uh, on Chiefs podcasts and stuff, it's like, how, how are the Bills going to stop Travis Kelsey? They're not going to, <laughs> right? It's just, it's not going to happen. You try to you try to limit and contain it as best you can, right? But even even in that last game, the Will uh, Hill and Waddle, they both made their big explosive touchdowns, and you know I think you have to just live in a world where that's going to happen, and so you just try to try to uh, contain it as best you can. But I think as far as the, the cornerback depth and, and look, the, the, the dolphins as an opponent, you're nervous about playing those receivers, but fortunately you don't have to play them every single week. The bills got to deal with them twice a year. Uh, but um, I think for the most part, the bills corner position has really um, come along in ways that we didn't expect. Obviously a concern entering the year with Levi Wallace departing and, and Tredavious white coming off of an ACL tear. Um, but Tredavious White is now healthy. He's uh, been uh, an every down player really since the game after Thanksgiving. So he stabilized and, and come in and, and bend the top corner. And then opposite of him, they've actually rotated Kyrie Elam, the first round pick, who's played well at times and certainly had his rookie moments as well. But Dane Jackson, who's been kind of the fill in player for Tredavious White, who's kind of stabilized and earned the opportunity to stay on the field, even with Trey White's return. Meanwhile, they also have Christian Benford, who's a six-round uh, rookie out of Villanova, who started the the first ga- few games of the season in a rotation with uh, Kyrie Elam while Dane Jackson was a CB1 while Tredavious White was out. So through all these injuries, there's been a lot of experience gained and put the Bills in a situation where they feel like they have four guys that they're willing to play on the outside at corner, and it's a really good position to be, but... At the end of the day, nobody's running stride for stride with Waddle and Hill, so you got a lot to worry about with those two uh, really dynamic players. Hearing you talk about the playmakers, I mean, we feel the same way about Josh Allen. Like, you just have to accept that he's going to make plays, and it, it <laughs> makes me think about, like, the future of this rivalry and hopefully a lot more playoff games to come, kind of like the 90s. You know, I was, I was going Four over that in the last yeah. podcast. Yeah, 3-1 and, uh, three and one for the for the Bills and 2-0 and and in that building. Hopefully we can see, a, you know, another run like that. I think both fan bases would love to see that rivalry kind of get back to where it was in the 90s. Joe, we end this podcast each week with this question. The Bills will win the game if, and then you go ahead and fill in the blank. I think the Bills need to to come out offensively and, and really set the pace and, and challenge Miami without their starting quarterback to go blow for blow with you, right? I mean, the Bills are certainly capable of scoring in bunches. They've I think they've scored at least 30 points in their last three games, the number two scoring offense in the NFL. I think you have to go out and be aggressive and score points and Really, da- really dare uh, this Dolphins team without their starting quarterback to to stay with you. And on one hand, you you feel like from the Bills' perspective that that's a good recipe. But you know, one thing that we know about this uh, Mike McDaniel, Kyle Shanahan uh, style of offense is that they've been able to get production out of quarterbacks, right? I mean, look at look at 
McDaniel and, and Shanahan when they were together and with San Francisco, it was you know, whether Jim, Jim Garoppolo was available or not. I mean, they were able to get production out of Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard. And you've seen you know, Shanahan continue that this year with Brock Purdy. And, you know, is Skylar Thompson just that next guy that can step in and really execute that offense and, and overcome not having your starting quarterback. So I, I think that's your recipe for the bills. And obviously, you know, play, sound disciplined defense and and try to contain those receivers the best you can but i think it's about being aggressive and trying to score and and see if miami can stay with you yeah it was nice to see our quarterback uh that wasn't to uh start and finish a game for the first time in week number 18 this year hopefully the same mm-hmm. thing happens again here and uh, we can get some more growth from the from the rookie quarterback if he is in fact the starter in the game on sunday he's the co-founder of the draft network you can find us daily bills podcast through the locked on bills podcast at the Joe Marino on Twitter. Joe, I always appreciate my man. We'll see you in India again this year, right? (laughs) Yes, sir. We'll see you then. No question about that. Have a good one, man. And away he goes again, Joe Marino. Check out his work in the Draft Network, Locked On Bills, and at the Joe Marino on Twitter. Let's go ahead and take our first break and come back on the other side and hear from Dolphins assistant coaches. That's next, Draft Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. It's spring and with the weather changing and so many great things coming up like Mother's Day and the wind down tour, I definitely need a fresh spring wardrobe for every occasion. This spring, I'm looking for that perfect flowy spring dress for Mother's Day as well as replacing my everyday basics. That's what I love about JCPenney. They have so many stylish and comfortable options that I always find just what I'm looking for there. Spring is a feel good season and comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. The fashion at JCPenney is the same way. your wardrobe this spring with styles that gets you something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first like worthington and liz claiborne for her each in women's petite and plus sizes and stafford and mutual weave for him style and comfort for all even big and tall plus even more for the whole family like levi's and exertion here spring comes in all shapes sizes and colors jc penny make everybody count Let's go ahead and kick off assistant coaches media. They met with us on January 12th, uh, Thursday morning. I asked Josh Boyer about the conflict of having so many games against this team. Do you find yourself kind of second guessing your original point? Do you come down to multiple thoughts with regard to the game plan because of the familiarity? Here's coach Boyer on preparing for a team you've seen already twice this year and two times every year. I think uh, you look at a lot of things. Uh, you look at some of the things that you've done well. You look at personnel. Like some of that's changed over the years um, when, when you go back and you look at all of them. Um, and then ways that they've kind of combated some of the things that we've done. Uh, and then, you know, scheme that they've had that's hurt us to, to you know, make sure that we're prepared for that. Um, yeah, I think it's a constant. And then you look at things that they've done to other teams as well. Uh, that may be similar to some of the things that we do. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think there's a lot of familiarity. Um, but, uh, you know, at the same time, that there's, you know, they, they're very familiar with us too. So you kind of got to combat, okay, if we do this, they'll do that. If they do this, we'll do that, you know. So th- there's a lot of back and forth uh, when it comes to preparing for a team that you've faced multiple times. And specifically speaking about Josh Allen, what has and has not been successful to you, Coach, uh, with defending this all-pro-level talent quarterback? Well, I think you got to give them different looks. I think if you know if you sit in the same thing, um, you know they do a very good job. I mean, they they got 
they got good offensive linemen. They got good skill players. Uh, the, you know, they got good tight ends. Uh, they got good backs. Uh, and the quarterback, uh, he's able to see things very well and run the offense very efficiently. So uh, it would be a big challenge for us this week that uh, we're looking forward to. I asked this question to all the coaches we spoke to on Thursday about the atmosphere in a playoff game and that crazy building and those crazy fans. And Coach, I think it was Coach Austin Clark talked about it being like a college atmosphere. Or actually, you know what? I think it was Coach Boyer. Let's go ahead and spin it forward here to Josh Boyer talking about the playoff atmosphere up in Buffalo. You know, when you play at Buffalo, it's always a great, great football environment. Um, you know, it's a, I would say, you know, again, there's, you know, this is going to be stereotypical, so I'm sure there's different, you know, but it's a very blue-collar, hardworking town. The fans are very passionate. Um, you know, the, you know, obviously I've spent my entire career in the AFC East, uh, and it didn't matter what, you know, if you're wearing a different color jersey, you're not welcome there. Um, but, they, but they love football. Uh, it'll be a great environment. Um, you know, we'll probably have a little less snowballs thrown at us this this week if, if it doesn't snow. Um, but I, I think it's awesome. I think it's a great football environment. I think it's a good football town. They got a great football team. They're well coached. They play hard. Um, you know, I don't think you could ask for anything more uh, going up there and playing. You guys know that I tend to fixate on things that I find intriguing about the game. And the thing that I keep going back to is, and I've talked about it, I feel like the last three or four matchups against this team is taking the ball away when you have the opportunity. Again, going back to the first game in 2020, three dropped interceptions in that game in a three-point game. You just feel like if you can get one or two of those, you maybe swing that game back in your favor. And, you know, I, I mentioned the six, fum, uh, six total fumbles the Bills have had in the two games against Miami, and the Dolphins have recovered two of them. wanted to ask Josh Boyer about that and the fact that Bo- uh, Josh Allen's put the ball into our coverage's hands a few times and not secured the picks. How do you emphasize capitalizing on your takeaway opportunities? Here's the Dolphins' defensive coordinator. Yeah, I think uh, I think you probably hit it right there uh, in your question. Like, one, we have to attack the football. And then when it's out, you know, the more people that we can get to the ball increase our odds greatly of, of recovering the ball. So I, I think those are the things that, uh, you know, and obviously um, we put an emphasis on that every week. So, um, you know, that won't really change. Uh, we, we will try to attack the ball as much as possible and then, you know, try to get everybody to the ball the best we can to recover those. Always uh, enlightening stuff there from he- uh, defensive coordinator Josh Boyer, almost called him head coach. Let's go ahead and go to the offensive side of the ball here and Frank Smith, who was asked about the approach of playing the game with Skylar Thompson compared to other quarterbacks and if you will play more of a, you know, a, or I should say conservative approach with Skylar Thompson in the game. Here's Coach talking about the goal of the offense. Score points, man. When you look at it from philosophically for an offense, our job is to score points. And then however we score points is trying to obviously win the game. So uh, for us last week, we felt there was an opportunity with the Jets, right, to um, attack them in a way that maybe we hadn't attacked certain opponents the same way. I think ultimately, like this week, um, we have a plan that how we want to uh, attack the Bills. And ultimately, regardless of how that plays out, that's the plan that we communicate. The guys understand it. I don't think necessarily that we're looking at some type of way to really do it. We're just looking at what's the best way for us to make sure we score points and win the game. And uh, you know, if we maximize those opportunities, we feel confident that we can accomplish that. 
Let's go next here to Coach uh, Frank Smith. <clears throat> I asked him about the Bills 95% of the time running nickel defense, and you heard it from Joe Marino earlier. You heard it from me on Thursday, and one of those things I've obsessed over this week is the Bills staying in that nickel package and running fullback at them time and time again with Alec Ingold. Wanted to get the Dolphins' you know, offensive mastermind here, Frank Smith's opinion on how to attack a team that does that. Here's Coach on the yeah, Bills I think defense. that you see a defense that – is obviously uh, been together. They understand their philosophy. They understand what they're trying to do. I mean, uh, you know, Sean Leslie done a fantastic job. And then, fortunately for my experience, you know, Mike going back all the way to Carolina with Sean when he was the coordinator. I mean, they they run a very uh, very good scheme, aggressive. They know who they are, right? They have a very good understanding whether they're nickel or their base defense. I think that that. All their players communicate well. I think they have a great understanding of where they're trying to be inside of their defense. So uh, I think that the flexibility that they do with inside of their defensive system is probably a strength of theirs, and that's through their players. And I think it's ultimately, you can see it's a well-coached team that uh, plays hard. And uh, you know, ultimately, it's going to be, we got to make sure we're on our stuff to make sure we bring in our best uh, to, on Sunday. So there you go. We also heard from Dolphins defensive line coach Austin Clark, uh, special teams coordinator Danny Crossman. He was the one that compared the Buffalo atmosphere to a college atmosphere with a tailgating and <clears throat> obviously the slamming through tables and whatnot, they, whatever they do up there and you know, throwing snowballs at uh, people on the sidelines, regardless of their age, just whatever. You know, that's what, he was the one that talked about that. If you want to find these entire press conferences, you can do that on the team YouTube channel, uh, Ty McKenzie and Wes Welker as well. Let's go ahead and take our last break, come back on the other side, and answer your questions via the Twitter mailbag. That's next. Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. It's spring and with the weather changing and so many great things coming up like Mother's Day and the wind down tour, I definitely need a fresh spring wardrobe for every occasion. This spring, I'm looking for that perfect flowy spring dress for Mother's Day as well as replacing my everyday basics. That's what I love about JCPenney. They have so many stylish and comfortable options that I always find just what I'm looking for there. Spring is a feel good season and comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. The fashion at JCPenney is the same way. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with styles that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her. Each in women's petite and plus sizes. And Stafford and Mutual Weave for him. Style and comfort for all, even big and tall. Plus even more for the whole family like Levi's and Exertion. Here spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Might this be the last time we're talking about a football game until September? I hope not. I really, really hope not. I'm, I can't. I don't think I've allowed myself yet to get to that place where I'm like imagining what a win looks like. I think earlier in the week I was allowing myself to think about that. Maybe not so much now. But as I talk it out on the podcast here, can you imagine? Can you guys imagine going into Buffalo and winning that game? Ooh, that would be fun. That would be a lot of fun. It would be a national story. Obviously, playoffs tend to be that way, but upsetting a team that everyone thinks is going to go to the Super Bowl, big underdogs, third-string quarterback. It's storybook stuff. Um, it's, it's what we're all hoping for and all wanting to happen. We'll see what happens on Sunday. But I guess allow yourself to imagine and dream for the next couple of days before we kick off, and we'll see what happens when they kick the ball off on Sunday. Let's go ahead and get to your mailbag questions. I put the call out on Twitter. You reply. I answer them here. Pretty simple formula. At Yanks Bandwagon. 
wants to know, what's the roadmap to win the game on Sunday? How do we pull off the upset? Yeah, I know sometimes, <clears throat> and quarterback is maybe a little bit you know impervious to this, but sometimes as fans, we look at like, oh, they're down player one, two, three, and four, impossible to win the game. Well, yeah, it does make it more challenging. Obviously, you want your best guys out there. But the challenge with next man up and having you know key players missing from the lineup is just how you kind of scheme it and plan around that. And some teams you know have had success with that, sometimes not. And obviously the injuries that take its toll at one position group, like we've had at cornerback and on the offensive line this year, is a little bit unique. And again, the quarterback is also a little bit strayed from that conversation. But, you know, to steal a Seth Levittism here, my uh, co-host on the post-game show and uh, fellow podcast network brethren here, uh, to Fish Tank with O.J. McDuffie, there are 53 professional athletes on either side of the football. So it comes down to our 53 making more plays than their 53. Like, look at Buffalo last week. They got two special teams touchdowns. What if Miami did that? What if they ran back the opening kick and got a defensive score or something? Like, I know the odds are low, but that's possible. That happens. Those, I used to talk about, uh, I used to be in this, this thing with some friends and we'd pick games on Sundays and we were trying to, you know, get certain levels of points. And we would always talk about how when your team's ahead, but not enough points in the final part of the game, um, like pick sixes, they happen. They happen all the time. Like that stuff happens. It, it's not frequently, but it does happen. So you always have a puncher's chance. And ultimately, I think the best path to victory is giving Allen the fits that we have given him at times, but avoiding the big quarter that he seems to be prone to at all times. In just about every game the last two years, Miami has held Josh Allen in check for a a stretch of possessions, like punt, 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 turnover. Uh, Even the 35-0 game last year when we uh, went three and out, three and out, three and out, INT, 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 three and out, three and out, three and out. Um, it was just 14 nothing at halftime, despite the fact that they couldn't do anything offensively uh, when Tua went out in that game. The one time they avoided the big quarter was back in week three, and they won that game, 21-19. The December game, he had a big fourth quarter. In 2021 in Buffalo, remember that like slog fest early on? With the Dolphins led that game like 6-3 to three at halftime or something like that, had a chance to kick a field goal or score a touchdown late, but the snap hit Mike Gesicki in motion, and we turn it over down there. But, like, Buffalo had, like, three points in the first half of that game. He has a big couple of drives in the second half and ultimately put the game away. Kind of a similar story back in 2019 as well. So it's you get several stops in each of these games, and then Josh Allen gets hot. You always need to be your best against this guy when you're potentially shorthanded a few spots on offense and even quarterback, that's obviously more true. So to me, a stingy defense, a couple of takeaways while protecting the football on our own and winning on special teams. It's a lot to ask for. That's why you're big dogs in this game, but that's the path to victory. From at DolphinsFan561, who is the key factor in this game for Miami? My initial reaction to that is Jalen Phillips because going back and watching the tape from week 15, he really gave that Buffalo right tackle, Spencer Brown, all he could handle, and then he'd kick inside and rush pretty effectively from that four-eye position as well. So, you know, in his biggest pass rush in that game resulted in a takeaway, and then one possession later, he and Wilkins teamed up for another forced fumble. Like, again, what happens if that happens again and we recover both of those balls? Like, it's two possessions you would steal, and you need to steal possessions in this game, and I think he could potentially be the quickest path towards that. I'll give you a player on offense as well. 
I'm taking Alec Ingold. He was stellar in the last matchup, and I think offensively, the running game needs to get this one going big, and he's a key cog in that department. His second highest snap total of the year was the Bills game. He had 32 snaps, and we ran for a buck 88 against them. The only game over 200 yards against Cleveland was his other game with more snaps, like 40 snaps in that game, our best rushing performance. So Alec Ingold, Jalen Phillips, my two picks there. At Tua Goat 23, what will the offensive line look like Sunday? Well, I wish I had Coach McDaniel's crystal ball to give you that. We'll find out Sunday, won't we? Uh, ideally, Teron makes his way back. We've got him out there because he's the best you know, offensive lineman on the team for my money. And I, I'd be pretty intrigued by the idea of maybe Rob Hunt at right tackle if we don't have Brandon Shell. That was the lineup when Shell got hurt on Sunday against the Jets. And I think Big Rob's up to the challenge for it if that's where he goes. I've made no secret about the fact that I think that he had a Pro Bowl year this year at right guard, and Teron Armstead said as much in his Wednesday media availability, and I thought he was pretty dang good there as a rookie as well. So, and you know, they used Robert Jones at right guard when they kicked Hunt out, and that might be the best two-man run block combo that we have on this roster, just in the sense that they offer so much from a size and strength and physicality standpoint, and Frank Smith talked about it a little bit on Thursday and how they have contingencies they develop all year long going back to training camp. So they'll have a plan. We just have to wait and see what it is. Um, ideally, Teron, I guess Liam, Connor, Rob, and Rob is what I would hope for, but we'll see what happens in terms of health and who they have available and what they go with. All right, there you go. Another week in the can. 19 of them now. No, yeah, yeah, 19 plus six weeks of training camp. It's been a long ride, and here we are on the precipice of you know, an elimination game. So enjoy it. The next time you hear from me, we'll be recapping this game and hopefully it's a fun, fun ass surprise win. If not, we'll also break that down as well and look forward to the off season. Whatever happens, we're here for you on the drive time podcast. In the meantime, you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. And once you're there, leave us a rating, leave us a review helps the show out exponentially. I see some new reviews coming in here and I really appreciate them. So thank you guys so much. Give us five stars, give us one star. I don't care. Just do it. Just, just do it. Also go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL, follow the team at Miami Dolphins, check out the Fish Tank podcast, the post game show, the international podcast in our network, and of course the Twitter Spaces show every Wednesday night at eight o'clock. Also the team YouTube channel, Media Availabilities, and Dolphins Today. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline and Cameron, Daddy's coming home. <laughs>